thought process and we just take, you know, like, no, we got to stop that. See mm -hmm. Jesus. There's Jesus right there. Mm -hmm. There's Jesus right there. You know, and I don't know about you guys. I, oh, I do know about you guys. But I want to <laughs> be with Jesus. I want to be where Jesus is at. I want to be about what Jesus is doing. That's my heart cry. And so, anyways. Yeah, oh, that's good. So, I think for me, one of the things that it stirs up in my mind, and we kind of hit on this in one of the questions later on, so I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but our response to people in a lot of ways is, is a response to Jesus. And, and by sort of by default, it's, it's worship, because worship can be defined as sort of the way that we are responding to God, right? right? It's a response right. to God. So when we sing a song, when we dance, when we... You know, when we sit in silence, when we pray, when we do these things, like it is our response to the divine. And so what Jesus is basically saying here is one of the ways that you can respond to me is by caring for people in your community. I think that's amazing, you know, because we disconnect those things a lot of times. We have right. two Jesuses in our head. We have Jesus, the, the social justice guy, and then we have Jesus you know, the guy who does all this awesome teaching and worship and, you know, I only do what I see the Father doing and all that kind of stuff, but we can separate them out. But the truth is, the way that we treat people is, is worship. Yeah. So that's, that's what that says to me. Um, so before we kind of move on with these questions, I'd love it if each of us could kind of share a short testimony related to sort of ministry with the least of these. Like when you hear this, what is the time in your life that would maybe encourage all of us um, to, to step into this. So whoever wants to start, Tina? Yeah. Again, it just, it's just something that was in front of me. And it was my niece, Angie, and her son was addicted to heroin. And in his, in his teenage years, he had given his life to the Lord. He was walking with the Lord. And and so Angie and I just began to pray. But in the midst of that, I was reading a book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Hmm. And it's called A Story of Homecoming. So the, the thing that rose up in my heart was the Lord, the Father, is waiting for Colin to come home. The Father is praying every day for Colin to come home. The Father has beautiful things for Colin. Mm. And so um, when Colin came to church with her and I saw him in the back of the sanctuary, and this wasn't at OV, this was at Northwest Vineyard, and he was an addiction. <laughs> he could have used that morning. He wasn't necessarily clean. He but when I walked past him and prayed, I left the sanctuary and came back in, the Lord spoke to me and said, tell him he's a beautiful son. The Lord didn't see the addiction. The Lord didn't see the outside of Colin. The Lord saw the inside of Colin and let me see it. And so when you see that, you wanna, you wanna tell somebody who doesn't feel beautiful Mm. that they're beautiful. Jesus thinks they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I'm not jumping ahead in your notes, but you said something really amazing when we were kind of preparing for this about sort of that the story of the prodigal son mm -hmm. and the role of the servants mm -hmm. in that story. Yeah. Could, you, could you elaborate yeah, and, on that and, a little bit? And I, 
I looked for it in, because I have a quote in the book too that I'll, mm -hmm. I'll share here, but um, it's, it, I, somebody shared this, and it was that the father didn't just want to restore the son, but he invited the whole household, the whole household into, into restoring and seeing the son as a son, not a servant. Mm. So the servant had to get the ring and put it on the son's finger. The servant had to get the robe and put it on the son's shoulders and had to put the sandals on his feet. They had to see him as a restored son fully. Wow, do yeah. we get to do that? Do we get to do that? Yeah, And some that. of you do that very well. Oh, Some definitely. of you do that very well. Yeah, I love that so much. I love that perspective because I had never heard that before. And I think, you know, if, if you're not super familiar with the story of the prodigal son, right, this, this rich father has two sons and one of them, uh, you know, leaves home and squanders his inheritance. He asks for it early. He spends the whole thing and, and then he comes back and, and he's restored by the father into the family. But the role that, that Tina's talking about in the story that I hadn't been super familiar with is the role of the servants that that welcome the son back in, and the, and the father directs the servants to, to do some of these things, to put the, the ring on his finger, to put the robe on him. And, and I love that because when we try to place ourselves in that story, you know, if we're, if we're far from God, we can place ourselves in the role of the prodigal son. And if we're critical of people coming you know, into the church, we can, we can put ourselves in the role of the brother who was jealous, right? But then there's this space in between that I think most of us are probably in, and I think that that is the role of the servants. We occupy the role of the servants where it's our job that when a son returns home, right, we have, we have directions from the father to welcome them, to put the ring on their finger, to put the robe on them. And I think that that's so beautiful. That's, that's right. And I think so our responsibility is to see people as the father sees them. Right. Not as their behavior looks at or their clothing or their attire or what, however they're dressed but to see them truly as father sees them and I think that that's that's so important for Kim and I I think the the one that comes to me was we were in South Carolina loving Jesus and just wanting to 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 help people and there was a a single mom with four kids that we ended up taking into our house they lived in our house so I can't remember was it a month or so or maybe even more than that and uh they had four kids, all of them were a year apart, and um, I, I, we had Anna maybe and Sarah Beth. Uh, it, was, it was kind of an interesting time, but I think hospitality is, uh, is, a, is a powerful way, but it's so messy, right? I mean, we're always, let's just be honest, right? We just like, uh, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to letting people into your house, it's just, uh, okay, do I really want to do this? You know what I mean? What is this going to mean? And and so, but I, I think the thing that's always amazing, I, you know, sometimes the reality of ministering to people and loving people who are struggling a lot of times, internally, emotionally struggling, you know, financially struggling, life struggling, is that it's just messy and it's hard and it, it's not always a, a perfect outcome, right? I mean, that's just a reality. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but it's not mm -hmm. always a perfect outcome. I think the thing that um, we have to remember is, is that just like this, the, the, the parable that Jesus shared is that whenever you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. It's our worship, right? It's in God's doing things inside of us, and I'm learning about walking in compassion, and I'm, it's what we're getting 
sometimes from people as we patiently deal with their nuances and, and things that are, that are difficult. Mm. So. Yeah, I think the story that comes to my mind when I think about this is one that I think I've told here before, but it's been a few years about uh, Roger, the mustache guy. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. So right after I got saved, uh, there was a guy, he was homeless, and he was, uh, this was when I was living in Lima, and he would always hang out at the corner of, uh, of Harding Highway, and there was another road right there uh, at McDonald's. He was always there. He was always, you know, just, I don't know, chilling, doing his thing. And so I started noticing him sort of in the weeks following meeting Jesus. And I didn't have any, you know, ministry training or context for what it looked like to do this, to do what Jesus is talking about. But it just dawned on me one day, I was driving by, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stop, and I'm going to talk to him for a minute and see what's up. And so I, I pulled into the McDonald's parking lot, I bought him a couple sandwiches, and we started talking. And I could tell immediately that this was new for him, that it was new to be seen and to have a conversation with someone, right, instead of just having something handed to him out somebody's window. And so we, we started to form this, like, relationship. I was working on the other side of town, and so I would drive by all the time. I'd see him. I'd stop, buy him a couple sandwiches. We'd talk, catch up. And eventually one day, you know, I was like, is there, is there anything else you need? Like, is there anything I can do for you? And he was like, man, I need to trim my mustache so bad, but I don't have any scissors. And I had, it was funny, I had this pair of scissors, like, in the center console in my car for some reason, and I had thought, you know, i got to take these scissors out. And I just never did for so long. And so I was like, you know what, man? Here, take these scissors. And I gave him the scissors, and then I didn't see him again for a long time. He, he wasn't there anymore. I was driving to work, and I was like, man, Roger's gone. I don't know what, like, what the deal is, where this guy went. And this was um, maybe a year and a half later. I went to the barber shop, had this cool, cool barber, shout out to Boot in Lima. His name's Boot and uh, Boots Barber, and I, and I went into the barber shop, and there's Roger. And he had this you know, super clean cut, he's on his way out of the barber shop, and I was like, no way, it's this guy, I hadn't seen him in, in like 18 months, and so I stopped him and I said, Roger, like, do you remember me? Like, I haven't seen you, I was worried about you, I didn't know if you like died or what, like, what happened? And he was like, no man, you gave me those scissors, and then I went and I trimmed up my mustache and I went to a job interview and I got the job that day. And then the Lord provided, he's like some long lost family member reached out to him completely out of the blue, paid his rent for six months. He got this job at, at the chemical refinery in Lima and, and was working and making like $35 an hour and had just like completely turned his life around. And so the, the, the craziest thing about that was this pair of scissors that's sitting in the console, you know, it's like, what, what am I going to do with these, you know? And so you give them to this guy, and, and that's, what, that's what we're talking about, is like not despising the place of small beginnings. Right. You know? It's little, like little. that, it's, it is, that's the, the place of small beginnings, is that story. So I just, I love that. So speaking of beginnings, man, I didn't even plan that. How good is that? Uh, we wanted to talk about sort of the beginning of compassion. Like where does compassion begin? Because we tell these stories, but, but there's something that happens inside of us that causes us to start noticing people, right? that causes us to feel something and say, you know, I need, to start, I need to start praying for this person. I need to start getting involved in this situation. So I'd love it if each of you could just kind of share on, like, what are some ways that the Holy Spirit has started to move you toward compassion, and what does that process look like for you? Well, I was on the receiving end of compassion mm. from Jesus. <laughs> I, most of my growing up, 
into my adulthood, into my Christian life, I felt like a misfit. I felt like an outsider. I didn't feel like I fit into the crowd, you know. I ju I, crowds were uncomfortable. I'm a one-on-one -on -one person, I can talk to you, but I still didn't even know myself. I did not know myself. I didn't know all the broken places inside of myself that Jesus really was wanted to touch. Mm. The areas of oppression and, and, and the fear that I lived under, he knew it better than I knew it. And I got to a point where life was really hard. I was a Christian, but my life and my foundation wasn't there. In the shaking that came and the pressures, financial pressures, I didn't have the faith I thought I had. Mm. And fear, fear crushed me. Fear took hold of me and I was so fearful, it turned to anger, it turned to self-hatred, and it turned to, I don't wanna hurt my family anymore, and so how can I remove myself from hurting them? And that scared me. <laughs> and so I finally opened up and revealed, I am thinking about taking my life. <laughs> because I don't want to hurt my family. Mm. I'm not who I look like on the outside. I'm really broken on the inside. And I, I told Chris, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid of my thoughts, and I want to get help. Mm. So Jesus didn't let me follow through with fear's plan for my And it still was a journey out of fear. I had a beautiful, beautiful friends who came to Cincinnati, to, to Hamilton, hurting. He was hurting in his body. He had cancer. He mm -hmm. couldn't even sit still in our house. He was in that much pain. But he said, the Lord wants me to come and tell you there are angels here, Tina. They are on your side. Mm. They are on your side, and fear doesn't have that hold on you anymore. It won't have that hold on you anymore. He came in the name of Jesus to help me get free. And the journey into Sakam helped me get free. And, and the Lord has walked me into this place where I'm not the same person I was. 11 years ago. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was two years ago. Amen. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Jesus is so beautiful and so merciful and so compassionate. And he, he has me. He has me. And he has you. And he has you and he knows us so intimately. Mm. Wow. And then I get invited in. I'm gonna read this quote.
quote out of, this is the Return of the Prodigal Son, A Story of Homecoming by Henry Nowen. And so this then is, becomes an overflow. Do I want to be like the Father? Do I want to be not just the one who is being forgiven, but also the one who forgives? Not just the one who is being welcomed home, but the one who welcomes home. Not just the one who receives compassion, but the one who offers it as well. Perhaps the most radical statement Jesus ever made is be compassionate as your father is compassionate. God's compassion is described by Jesus not simply to show me how willing God is to feel for me. He felt my pain. He came into my pain. Or to forgive me of my sins and to offer me new life, but to invite me to become like him and to show the same compassion to others as he is showing to me. Being in the Father's house requires that I make the Father's life my own and become transformed in his image. And that's what I feel like every day I'm being transformed into his image, his image. <laughs> and, and there's an overflow. There's an overflow that just wants this person in front of me that's hurting to know this is really good news. This mm. you, God is really compassionate. He knows you through and through and loves you and is, and is for you and ready to walk through a journey of transformation with you. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Tina. Yeah, that's, man, that's great. Good. Vulnerable yeah, and, and uh, powerful story. Powerful story. Hmm. It's hard to follow up that. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I think it's a progression um, of where, where does compassion begin? It, com it begins with, and I think you just touched on this, as we know him and as we get closer and closer to the heart of the, of the Father, you know what I mean, and know him more, right? I mean, you know, I think, I think it's a sign of, of true believers is when we're around people that as, you know, I mean, we, we've all been exposed, and let's just be honest, there's, there, in church there's religion, right? There's religious activities that I don't know if Holy Spirit's really in, and, and, but, but one of the signs, I believe, of Holy Spirit's presence is, is as it, we draw into him that he, 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 he you know, we, we have to go out, we have to move, we have to empathize with the person, because we long for them to, the, to know that love, to experience that love that we experienced. And so it, 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 it draws us to people around us, you know what I mean? You know, how can we say that we love God but not love our neighbor, right, mm -hmm. it, in, in essence? And so I think... I think it always begins with, with uh, fellowship, friendship with Holy Spirit, and then as we grow in that, it, it moves us in the, in the, into that realm of compassion. And for me, pr just practically speaking, um, it's always interesting for me to try to put myself literally, I mean, have you ever sat down and just thought about what would it be like to be so-and-so? Like, like to actually literally think about, like, in, you know, it's, it's a great place where compassion begins, when you actually start to think about what would it be like if it wasn't, this wasn't my life, but that was my life. 
if I experienced what they experienced, maybe I would be even doing worse things than what they would do, you know what I'm saying, in terms of reaction. And I think that's what empathy does. Empathy puts, we remove ourselves from, from, from our place and we begin to connect and feel what they're feeling if we would have gone through the things that they did. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's an awesome mental exercise because all of a sudden it just transforms your thinking. You know what I mean? It just transforms your perspective. It just, it makes you think more, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, what am I, who am I having a bad day today, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, and I'm yelling and screaming, I'm acting so childish right now, you know, and, and people are going through a lot more things than I am. But I don't know, just taking that, just that mental exercise of just pausing and putting myself into another person's shoes just for a moment, I think is so, so very important to see them in a different light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I mean, just for us, for all of us to be participating in all the time, because, you know, this is a vineyard church. And one of the things that John Wimber said all the time when he started the vineyard and when they were, when they were adopting churches into the vineyard and planting new vineyards was basically don't even fool around with putting vineyard on your sign if you're not doing this. If you're not doing ministry with the poor, don't, don't, even, don't even try to pretend to be part of this. I mean, and, and really, like, that, just when I, when I heard him say that in, a, in an old teaching for the first time, I was like, I'm in the right place. I like this. This is cool. <laughs> so that's amazing. Okay, so for each message in this series, for each week, we kind of had a, a question, like a, a, a rhetorical question, sort of a little tongue-in-cheek. So uh, John and Tina, how do you fix people? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> That's in your notes. <laughs> and of course we don't. We, we, we live out our identity. Mm. You know, just what John said. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, what didn't just mean in the vineyard. Right. This, this is Jesus. Definitely. This is Jesus. You read the Gospels. Right now, Chris and I are reading in the book of Matthew. And if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus, this is Jesus. This is the Father. Mm -hmm. Love, compassion, mercy, always forgiving, always wanting us home, always looking for the lost. Mm -hmm. This is Jesus. You know, and, um, and I have a Psalm 116, and this speaks of of a tender God who finds us and, 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 and restores. He's a God who restores. He's a God who, who reforms. He's a God who breaks in with so much goodness that we can't contain it. So it's Psalm 116. I am passionately in love with God because he listens to me. We listen. We don't fix. We listen. He hears my prayers, and he answers them. What do you need? Those pair of scissors. Transformation. Yeah. Who knew? That's right. As long as I live, I'll keep praying to him, for he stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. He stoops down. Sometimes it takes stooping down. We can't be on a platform. We can't be... Tina Jones is it, because Tina Jones is far from it. <laughs> Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. We want to be wearing his face. We want to be wearing his garments. We want to be wearing his love. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's who we become. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Death once stared me in the face and I was close to slipping into its dark shadows. I was terrified and overcome with sorrow and I cried out to the Lord, God, come and save me. I'm not the savior. I need to say, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Mm -hmm. mm. That is good. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think I think it's it's a, it's a good question. How do we fix people? Because the reason why I think it's a good question is because it's how I mean honestly, when you start on, on you embark on trying to reach people, it's like it's ultimately you do. I mean, especially for an engineer, right? I mean, I, everything I you know around the house, it's like let's fix it, let's fix it, let's fix it, let's fix it, let's fix it. You know, <laughs> and, uh, got another person in front of me. Here's a problem. Let's fix it, right? You know what I mean? You just want to fix people and. And, um, you know, I think this is where Holy Spirit is so important. I, I, I remember a story. Uh, we were, I was on the prayer ministry team at the Hamilton Vineyard. And, um, and I remember I, I, there was a, a, a person in front of me. They had, like, rent due. They were struggling. And I, I, I remember I had money in my pocket. I could have given it to them. And I just paused and I asked Holy Spirit, like, just a little quick prayer, like, should I give this to them? And they said, no. The Holy Spirit said, no, which sounds like, right? That sounds shocking. And I, but I was like, okay. So I prayed with them for a miracle. I prayed for them to experience a miracle. We prayed and we interceded and, and um, they were thankful. And then they went on their way. And then the next week, they came, they came running up to me at church. And you're like, They're not, you're not going to believe what God did. And, you know, he provided this and this and this. And if I would have just reached in my pocket, I would, they would have missed that opportunity for a miracle to experience that. So it's not always just compassion doesn't always look like getting out, you know, like and fixing the problem, right? Fixing the problem. It's, it's, um, but, it's, but it is present. Right, compassion is always present. Compassion mm -hmm. is, we don't just run away th from from situations. We and we're there. We're the ministry of presence kind of thing, where we're with people, and we and we connect with them and we love them. So, yeah, we have to get our mind off of fixing. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the biggest thing. We we, you know, we, when you get into ministering to people, you just we have to get off uh, out of that. I mean, Jesus was rejected, and then everyone's not going to receive things, and you know. They're at different places, and no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit's drawing them. So we just have to trust in God and get out of the realm of fixing and into the realm of being faithful to do what the Lord has put on our heart, right? To be obedient servants of, of Jesus. Yeah, and I think a huge part of it, too, is that is the transformational aspect. I mean, what I hear in, like, Tina, your story, when you share, is that's unfolding over the course of a decade plus, right? And, and, and it's... Right. It's, it's the slow kingdom coming. Right. And sometimes we talk about the slow kingdom coming and people say, well, that's just a cop out because, you know, we want to see stuff happen like that, you know. But the truth is that the, the slow work of the kingdom is just as valuable as the, the instantaneous ecstatic experiences. And we want both. And right. you can have those, right. those experiences along the way of, mm -hmm. of long sustained transformation. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we're, we're starting to run a little bit low on time, so I'm, I'm trying to, to decide what to do here with these questions. Um, 
So let's talk about, here's what I'll do. I'll have one of you answer one and then the other answer the other. Does that sound good? Great. So um, I'll, I'll give John this one and then I'll give Tina the last one. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, so John, how do we deal with disappointment and feeling impatient when we, uh, when we don't get results? when we're trying to partner with people, when we're yeah. befriending people who are in disadvantageous positions, who are, who are struggling. Yeah, because we, we kind of just, just kind of highlighted that, but I think it, it, it's an aspect of trust, and I think we have to, we have to get out of results-minded approach, right, where we're trying to get an outcome at a certain time on a, on a certain situation. Uh, it's not to say that we sh I mean, I think it, feeling disappointment when someone makes bad choices or when, or when things don't work out a certain way or what, you know what I mean? I think it's, it, the disappointment should be hurting for that person. That's what compassion is. It's a hurting that they're, they're running away from the lover of their soul, right? I mean, it's, it, that's, that should be the hurting in our hearts, not, hey, hey, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't do anything wrong, we, you know what I mean? And sometimes we tend to, I know I am, like, I should have done this, I should have done this, I should have done it, and I'm beating myself up, and then, you know, and, and uh, I, God, I thought, you know, and then we get into that realm of questioning, God, I thought you were going to do this, and, you know, I think we just have to just bring that before the Lord and entrust that to him and um, just know that, uh, you know, we, we, again, we just have to get out of that kind of outcomes approach to things and, and be more of just in the moment, you know, we're focused on what can I do now, right, to express love to people. I had a, an, an interesting thought process you know so many times like we see people begging for money on the roads and stuff like that or we come across people while we're walking on the sidewalks and I and I thought to myself you know so many times we focus on the money what if we just went up and gave them a hug you know you know I mean and the money's good but maybe really what they need is to like to like Robert was it Robert yeah Roger yeah. Roger yeah, Roger yeah. he just needed to be seen he needed to be you know what I'm saying? It's right. more than just a, a buck here and a buck there. It's it's that, you know, we don't understand that one of the great deepest needs is for community and friendship and right. value, you know. So yeah. So I think yeah, just just giving that over to the Lord, and um, and not allowing our hearts to grow hardened. It's easy, you know. We get it. So this is where judgments comes in. And believe me, I have been here. Okay, I tried to help somebody. We did all these steps, and then all of a sudden, boom! They take all of that and they thrown it away. Like I mean, literally, like thousands of dollars thrown away in trying to help somebody because of someone makes bad decisions and bad choices and just throws it away and you're like I'm not going to do that again I mean you just get into this mentality I'm not going to do this again this is throwing money away we shouldn't be doing this you know and all this kind of thing and and you just have to stop and just go why am I doing this why are we doing this right did we do something wrong no we absolutely was father pleased with how we approach that? Yes. Am I here to please them or am I here to please my father? I'm here to please my father. And if he's pleased with it, then I'll do it again. You know what I mean? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go to the next person. I'm going to do it again. You know what I mean? I'm just going to keep loving people well, you know, and, uh, and I'll just entrust the results and the fruit to, to Jesus, you know. Mm. That's good. Okay. Tina, um, how do you see this kind of compassion, this kind of work, this kind of friendship as a form of worship to Jesus? I mean, well, you already, <laughs> you're good. It's, 
And it's, it's being a disciple of Jesus, being, I want to be like him. He's beautiful. <laughs> He's beautiful. He's beautiful. And I want to be like him. And He's worthy of worship, and and so why wouldn't I be like him? <laughs> why wouldn't I? Ah, oh, this is uncomfortable, Jesus. What you're asking me to do is uncomfortable, mm. and I think it's going to take the Holy Spirit in me to be able to do this, Jesus. You know, and. and and if, you, if I, you don't mind, I can take it from the last question and into this and combine them because the story with Colin isn't over. Mm -hmm. I didn't just say, you're a beautiful son, and he said, oh, wow, I'm a beautiful son, and, he, and, and, and get free. That wasn't the result. That wasn't the result. <laughs> his mother's love and his mother's, you know, bringing him in and, and helping him, trying to help him get cleaned up. There wasn't a result that we wanted. <laughs> and, and Angie called me and said, Tina, meet me in the park. And I knew, I knew, bring somebody with you, meet me in the park. And I knew this is not the outcome we were praying for. And so I walked through, through with Angie Bearing her son. <laughs> and not just bearing her son, but Angie, she wanted certain things. She wanted uh, her, her ex-husband only had money for crema cremation. Angie wanted her son to be buried in, a, in the ground, a place where she can go. And no, Colin lived. <laughs> He's here, he's buried, he, he, he's not forgotten. And so she needed money for that, and the Lord provided it beautifully. She needed somebody to say the grave, graveside service, and, and she wanted certain things in it, and she asked Chris, and Chris is like, I'm not sure I can do it, Angie. I'm not sure I can express your heart. And I'm like, Angie, will you let me, because I've walked through it with you. Will you let me do that? Mm -hmm. Now, zero experience, mm -hmm. have never mm -hmm. said a graveside service, been the one who spoke, but I loved her son. But I loved her son. And Jesus loved her son. And it, and my worship to Jesus was my, my yes, can I do this for you? Amen. Can I do this for you? Because this is Jesus' son too. And what did I get to say is for, for, for Colin was, Colin wasn't perfect, but Jesus shared his perfection with Colin. Hmm. That is good. He's a loved son. That's right. That's worship. Yeah. Mm. That's worship. Amazing. That's so good, Tina. Thank you. So, to close, here's what I want to do. A couple quick hit, you know, maybe 10 to 20 seconds. Sure. I want to leave us with some practical things. Because 
what we have to be able to do is uh, this. We have to be able to actually do it, right? We can't just talk. I mean, we can talk about it. We can share stories. We can whatever. We can read the Bible. We can pray about it. We can all those things. But if we're not actually doing it, then you know, uh, it's not good enough. So each of you, and then I'll finish and I'll pray. Does that sound good? So one, one or two practical things that we can that we can walk in, in this week, this month. Yeah. I'll let you. I, I think just see, let's just see people. Let's just see the people, the hurting people around us, and ask Holy Spirit. Let's just start praying. You know, I mean, just let's just say, Lord, show me the people. Show me the hurting people, the poor, right? And we're all poor. We can all associate with some some level. But I mean, let's just just start seeing people. If if nothing else, out of the next six weeks, if we just start seeing people. You know, God's going to do incredible things. There's going to be amazing things, and 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 a lot of it's just going to be things that we change in, in our heart. But let's just let's just pray and ask Holy Spirit to show us the people around us. Yeah, that's good. And one thing I put down was just start where you are. Do you need this kind of compassion from Jesus, or is it just a word of blessing to somebody? I mean, that day it was a word of blessing to Colin. Um, it's always relational. It's not religion. Right. This is not a to-do list. Mm -hmm. This is not a to-do list. This is invitation into sonship, daughtership. This is invitation from Jesus to be with him where he's at. That's right. it's, it's, it's something the Holy Spirit, I mean, is just here to help us. He the Father doesn't ask us to do something that he won't equip us for. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't ask us to do that. We can't be like him without him. That's right. We cannot be like him without him. This isn't just love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, and you're on your own. Go do it. Mm -hmm. It's just not that way. Right. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is Holy Spirit. Let me see. Holy Spirit, let me hear. Holy Spirit, give me a heart to enter into what you're doing. Mm. Right. And that's the most beautiful invitation in the whole world. That is the most beautiful invitation into his kingdom. Into his kingdom. Be with me where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. Good. So good. Mine, I'm just going to make this really fast. You know, there's a lot of talk about boundaries in church. There's a lot of talk about boundaries in ministry. And I'm curious if any of you can find Jesus' teaching on boundaries for me and, and bring it to me. That's all I'll say. I mean, people, people talk about boundaries a lot because they want to put up an artificial barrier between their real lives and what's a ministry activity. And so I would say that we need to forget about that a little bit more and let relationships and friendships with people in messy situations actually touch our, uh, our, our, our bubble. So, all right, with that, uh, I'll pray. And worship team, you guys can come on up while we get our, our chairs out of here and stuff. So, Jesus, we just thank you for um, just your example. We thank you for your example as a, as a servant of the Father, as a son. Um, who just walked in, in perfect identity, perfect confidence in who you are. And uh, Lord, we just ask for empowerment right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and um, fall on us, that you would empower us to do this work, to do the work of, 
um, seeing the least of these in Oxford, to become their friends, to become people who, who lift people out of um, just negative situations with friendship, not just with our dollars, not just with our, our skills, our abilities, but with our friendship and the availability of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.